0: I can hear this.
1: Well,
2: well, well. I, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you just fine. What the? What?
2: Food and Beverage Magazine live Live, juicy, inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Is this thing on? Is is it on? Wor-
0: is this thing on? lenny is it working can you Listen, see your you mother are
2: screaming like a lady <laughs> sitting at a pharmacy asking the pharmacist across the room has, I said, my, has my doctor called yet <laughs> has my doctor called yet I can't hear you I can't hear you but I'm from Boston and I can hear you
0: Look have you song. got have you got a salve for this?
2: <laughs>
0: what do you even? Have? let's just
2: honestly what what do you even say i am so excited about today's show
0: listen you've got headphones on today
2: um jennifer you must have glasses on today because i have headphones on every day
0: i know but i have headphones on today too
2: i just want to say can we talk about the call i got yesterday morning at mm-hmm. seven o'clock yes yes are, is it okay to talk
0: yeah about absolutely the call? absolutely
2: two women Two of the of the most successful executive producer in television today. I don't know, is it reality television? I mean, one of them is the producer. I think it's
0: called. I think it's called unscripted television.
2: Uh, the two of the big one, executive producer of Live PD, right? Huge show, huge, huge show. The other one, executive producer, creator of The Prophet, called me. Ooh, Amber Mazzola. Ooh, right? wait, 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 Cara, wait. That's, that's big. So they called me to tell me they watched our show. Thank right? you. And they said to me, Michael, spice it up, man. What's going on? Spice it up. Who is that lady with you? What's wrong with her? <laughs> she knows, doesn't stop talking. <laughs> no, I'm They just, did not. I know they didn't. But when I called you, you in your head think that all of a sudden you were a dud. A dud.
0: Oh, my God. You found Wacky Packs. Yes, I
2: find it all. When you're like, oh, I'm a dud. Oh, you my God, that's so
0: funny. We have to put T-shirts out that say that. That say what? You're that's going to be part of our merch line. I love that. You're probably too young, but I collected Wacky oh. Packs.
2: Yes, <clears throat> I collected them as well.
0: I even Thank have you. a couple of books
2: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: that have the Wacky pack stickers from back in the day. Do you still that's, have them? Yeah, I do, actually.
2: That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh,
0: but I come from fifth generation. Oh,
2: look at this. Speaking of, of Kara Kurtz, Kara was a producer at Extra. Carmine Scalfo was my producer when I was the Las Vegas correspondent for Extra. And then I created the deal for the television show Extra and the Planet Hollywood Hotel. And they opened the bar and they opened the lounge. And they did live from Planet Hollywood. I, all these people had jobs because of my relationship that I formed. And guess what I got out of that?
0: A very a attractive friend. He's very attractive.
2: Very handsome guy. That must handsome. Be a very, that's an old picture. I got nothing. I got a bagel. I got a donut. I didn't even get recognition. How about that?
0: Well, you don't need to shout. I'm right here, and I shouting? recognize you. But you know,
2: but you know I squeeze every right in for a minute. But I do have this, and they don't. I have Guide to Restaurant Success, okay. available at Barnes & Noble. Available on Amazon. I wrote the book. I must be the guy. You know, I should have written about that that incident too. I should have done that.
0: Well, listen. Next book. Next book. Yeah. For the next book, I was talking online today on Facebook with a chef mm-hmm. friend of mine from halfway across the world. Uh, chef Kamal Silva was telling us about a brand new concept that they have at one of their hotels where they are taking the idea of a buffet putting it behind a a, a, let's just call it one big glass sneeze guard Mm -hmm. and they're giving you small no touch to go packages Mm. as many of them as you want they'll just bring you whatever you would have wanted from the buffet but now it's a no touch they've invented the no touch buffet i think it's a kind of genius idea so so it combines two of your favorite things Buffet where you have the array and all you can eat Just keep bringing me more of what I do want to eat as much as I can and much as I want Listen, I know a lot of people who will think By the way when I
2: put my finger up it means I have something to say. Ah, Okay. This is one of those gun moments that those girls were talking about No, I'm just kidding. You mean like tapas?
0: Imagine a beautiful brunch buffet
2: yeah, we are imagining. We're all there with you. We're there with you. Okay. Now, now
0: imagine. Now someone... it's time
2: for you to get out of the clouds because this is where you're imagining. You're going right up into the clouds. By the way, little Jetty just wanted to be, wanted to see this on here today, so that's, that's why I did that. Hi, Jeff. He's, he's not looking He's not stopping.
0: Okay. I don't know about you, but I had to run and get sushi for lunch today because mm-hmm. I am. I'm like I'm. I'm swimming in this imaginary. Bathing, sea of ginger. I'm just all gingered up because today.
2: Wait a minute. You're doing that, and you know what I'm doing today? No. We are I'm in development with Chef Josh Green. Oh of, for a new pizza concept that we're about to launch that is so amazing and mind-boggling that it's gonna lose you're gonna lose your you're not gonna understand. You're gonna taste this pizza and you're gonna say to yourself, How how do they call this pizza? This is this is. In the atmosphere, okay, okay. So that'll be out. We're gonna we're gonna put it, in, and and you know what the concept is? Square. We're doing it square because everybody likes the cheesy the drips, right? Yeah. And we're doing it square. And you're getting one tray, and that's a regular. And if guess what? If you want to get a large, you get two trays, and you SFU. You. you know what I'm saying? You shut the fuck, and then you get at your front door, and then you come back for more. I don't want the drama. You don't have any wings. Don't give me, I don't do, like this. Do
0: you have a gluten-free thin crust? None of that.
2: When I had that burger place, and you can read about it, the Guide to Restaurant Success.
0: You mean cookie out, burgers?
2: When I had cookie burgers, and everybody loved the french fries and the burgers, and the burgers had little dehydrated onions, rehydrated them and all this place. People would come and go, I don't like onions. Can you make them without the onions? And I said, I'm not having somebody pick the burgers out, the onions out of your burgers. But they will pick the boogers out of your nose. And you know what they did after I said that? Day? They left. They bought twenty-four of the hamburgers and they loved them. <laughs> right? They bought. I wouldn't suggest everybody saying that about the boogers, but it works. Now, let's get into this. Okay, we're uh, going to get into something so amazing. We're not even going to do no mukbang moment today. Okay. Well,
0: is, and I, I have mukbang for you. I got mukbangs. Oh you. well,
2: then maybe we'll do it. Okay, maybe we'll do it. But let me just tell you. So, you know, my sales team is out there. They're moving. They're shaking for food and beverage. Oh, hold on. Are we doing a mukbang moment? All right. Let me get Oh,
0: oh
2: my God. Look at that face. The doctor. Okay. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Yes, I am my Nana.
2: All right. There we go. Okay, mm. Nana. Eat that. Eat that sushi. Mm. That was delicious.
0: Mm. Mm. How many mm.
2: fish? By the way, no fish were harmed in making that sushi. Anyway, let me get into this. So my sales team.
0: No, but they were taunted and abused.
2: My fantastic sales team is out there. And they, you know, we don't just take anybody's money. I tell them take anybody's money. They like, we can't. They have more responsibility for the magazine than I do. I might take anybody's money. But we're looking for the right products, right? The right products that can help the restaurateurs of today, right now, right? Because I'm hearing, I'm talking, I'm reading. You know, all my friends are chefs and we're finding out what's going on. They're not all famous chefs. Right. I know you think I only have famous friends, but I, I only talk about the famous Listen, ones.
0: Listen, our friends are in the trenches; they're getting it done.
2: Right. So I mean, I talked to Sam, Sammy DeMarco, right? Sammy DeMarco was River was River Cafe with uh, David Burke and Charlie Palmer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've got an announcement for Sammy DeMarco soon. I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but it is a big one. He basically moved to back to the East Coast. We'll leave it at that. Now. These guys are, with what's <laughs> happening, the government's shutting things down. People can only eat outside. They are trying to buy things and procure things and keep things fresh and keep right. things moving, right? Right, right, right. Recreate new menu items all, all the time. The problem is they can't be bringing in volumes of stuff. And we're using volumes in terms of quantity. Right you've got to get
0: smart with what you've got in the pantry right now and what you can get.
2: Well, that's what, the, and it's time to look. And talk to your vendors and suppliers. I mean, you don't want to a big, big, big wheel of, of, uh, of uh, mozzarella. You know how I can say that And you, you know, And making the cacio de pepe. Because what's going to happen? How many people are going to come in on the patio and you're going to make the cacio de pepe with the pasta? And then you're, you're, it doesn't work. Yeah. But what does work is portion control, right? Yeah. And purchasing portion control, right? What also works is I don't want to use the word fusion. I want to use the word innovation. Because there are products out there that you wouldn't have had time before to find, even though there's fantastic guys out there. I mean, they're not very handsome, but they're fantastic, and they're trying to sell the product. Was that your finger? And
0: and I have to add to that sentence. And there are certain products and certain categories and certain cultural foods that play well with others. Right,
2: but you're going to ruin the surprise by talking like that. I'm not going to put on the dud either. I mean everybody loves <laughs> look at this, look at this. That's a cheesesteak, oh, right? Is that a delicious looking cheesesteak? No, oh, it looks great. Looks good. Looks looks great, right? Look at the bread. That's your kind of bread, Jen. That's that's good. that's your kind of bread. Okay, but, look I, at that.
0: but I'm allergic but, to red and green and yellow bell peppers.
2: Well, you know what? You can eat at somebody else's establishment. I'm just gonna <laughs> show you.
0: I know I know. Look I know. Right, look at this
2: burrito. Look at this burrito. That does look good. Okay. You like that burrito? Let me give you one more thing to look at. One more thing. Um, let me see what would be good. Look I at know. This. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Oh. I know you think that's a bill cutlet. I get it. No. I get it. But no. guess what? All these things, right? All of these products come from a fantastic company out of Korea. You wouldn't even uh-huh. believe it. Wang Korea, right? Not Wang Korea is not a city, but it's the name of the company. <laughs> the K Barbecue Meat Company, right? I'm gonna bring on my new friend. By the way, I didn't want him to be my friend. The guy would not stop calling But You know how people get with me, right?
0: You're, you're like a lighthouse and we all just sort of come to your shore. Well,
2: he did good, though. He sent me food. So with food, I talked. So
0: he, so he was serious.
2: Let me take, I, I have, it's
1: the, let me get Bill. Bill, Bill, is that you? Hello.
0: Hey, Bill. How are you guys doing? Oh, my gosh. I love those pictures behind you, too. It's so great to have you here. I would oh, want to go hang out where me. you are.
1: We're excited to you know, share what we do with you guys. because It's been a long road, and uh, COVID has not helped anybody. So, uh,
2: Well,
0: yeah. I, I, listen. Oh, my gosh. Stop, stop, stop. Go back to that. Oh, go back to that? Okay go, okay. go back to that. Go back to that. Okay, my fingers
2: don't move as fast as you. Okay, go
0: ahead. <gasps> that looks so good. That looks so good. But,
2: but here's the pro- here's what I, I mean when Bill and I talk. This is the start of the conversation. Bill, start of the conversation, right? This is oh, yeah. where the conversation begins. Right. Because it's familiar. It's a familiar, which is weird that Korean barbecue is familiar with most people now because it never was. But it's familiar. See what I'm saying, Jennifer? Mm-hmm. So now we're going to talk about what Bill has and the familiarity, and then bring it to the
1: next level. And what do you you still eat your sushi?
0: How do you put a picture like that in front of me and I not get hungry?
1: <laughs> well, I'll send, you, I'll, I'll send you a whole box, too, Jennifer, so you can play around with it and you know see what we have to offer. But, you know, we kind of saw a niche in the market. Um, have you tried ago. this, Bill?
2: Have you tried Celsius? Well, not yet. Fuji apple pear.
1: Sounds That's delicious. Well, I mean, they're not even paying me to do that, but it's that good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so we, you know, back in, you know, we've we've been in business since the 1970s, importing uh, and producing products from Korea, um, you know, all around the U.S. We have branches in every major city. So our traditional channel is, uh, you know, Asian retail. Yeah. So back in 2017, we saw a niche for, um, you know, we saw really a rise in Korean food. We saw people, you know, asking for it. How do you do it? You know, we we wanted to really try to put together a product that we could bring to the masses um, and actually take away some of their labor, um, eliminate a lot of extra items that they had to purchase and kind of bundle it in a pack where using existing stuff from their pantries or from their shelf, they could, you know, you, do not only traditional Korean food, food, uh, food, but also play around with it and use it in their own recipes with familiar stuff like tacos or cheesesteaks or stuff like that.
0: Hey, Bill, I want to ask you a question. Let's talk for people who don't live in one of the major metropolitan areas. Foodies are in love with the Korean flavor profile and the cords of flavor that are the the core components. Those cords of flavor that are sort of that uh, onion, garlicky, spicy, sweet. uh, There's some really dynamic flavors. And then we got to include in the all-star hit list, the, the kimchi and that brilliance of the fermentation that's both incredibly healthy and incredibly delicious and flavorful. Jennifer, they have
2: a kimchi aronacci. You know what I'm talking about? Is that what yeah. it is? Aranachi? How do you pronounce that, Jennifer? Aroncini. Aroncini. Yeah. Bill, I really know.
1: I just like to make her look like yeah. that.
2: <laughs> um, can you believe this? They have that. I have the I, I actually have the recipe. I'm like, this is a, this is insanity.
1: Yeah, we okay. actually played around doing doing that item and using a kimchi fried rice with our spicy pork and putting some spam in it. And is oh, this and the, is, in with with is the, this the website, Bill. Uh is there another wine? one? Yes, that's one of them. And then the meat website is kbbqmeat.com. Okay,
2: you said spam, Bill. Uh, We're we're just coming out. I know Hormel is coming out with a spam cookbook. Um, And I happen to know this because I, Jennifer, didn't know this very well. But I have two recipes in the spam cookbook. And I'm also listed as an endorser, as you are, Jennifer, on the back of my book. I am an endorser on the Hormel spam book.
0: Nice.
1: Because why? I needed brownie points to make my wife's family happy. Well, my, my, my special person in my life's from Guam. And so uh, we eat Thai food, Typhoon food from time to time. So canned roast beef and green beans and tomatoes over rice, you know, Just, stuff like that. But, you know, that kind of stuff is, is, you know, people, you know, being exposed to, you know, how you can meld cultures together and, and get new flavors out of, you know, little bit of ingredients. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's very fun. Um, Hey, Bill,
0: let's talk a little bit about what the Korean... Because again, we're talking about the monolith Korean food and there's regional cuisines, but there are some real core components that help to define what Korean food is. Will you just give us a bit of an introduction or a primer on Korean food and flavor?
1: Well, I think in the United States, people really uh, see Korean just as Korean barbecue, but Korean food is really... uh, a lot of vegetables and a lot of different tastes. I mean, just look at banchan, for example, when you go to a Korean barbecue, you have all the side dishes and you, and, and the meat part is only a part of that. Right. So the flavor profile is between the sweet and the spicy and, and, you know, being able to get that balance. And that's, right. you know, when we create that, when we created our line, which is really seven items, when you include the gochujang and the kimchi, yep. um, the balance of those flavors is really what hooks people in, yeah. Yeah. you know, and plus, you know, when you, when you, when you talk to people and they eat Korean food, um, there's a lot of bad Korean food out there that is so-called Korean, but it's way out of balance, way too much ginger. You yeah. know, there's always, there's always problems.
0: Or it's too sweet or it's, or it's too, too or it's too fatty in the wrong kind of fat.
2: Right. See, one of the genius Ooh, things that-
0: Jennifer. I know. Listen, How do you know
1: you do your food,
0: Jennifer? Listen, I want to talk about the fact that one of the most essential things that you provide as a service to the Korean community in the United States, including Korean Americans, including people who just love Korean food, is that there's a very specific technique of butchery to achieve the textural identification of some of the meats that you have. That is a skill that some butchers in Korea will spend 10 years in apprenticeship learning. This isn't something you just read a book and know how to do. It's like the difference between grocery store sushi and masterful sushi. You've gone and made it possible for people who want very specific products that are the core components of Korean cuisine to be able to be achieved because most people in this Marketplace don't have the knife skills and the butchery skills to deliver it. This really was something that couldn't have been here before. Talk a little bit about that because that's I, I think Jennifer, important.
2: Jennifer, I, mean, I, I go to a lot of Korean sushi restaurants. Um, I find it bizarre, Bill. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, wouldn't you rather just go to a Korean restaurant? I'm like, what? what's going on here? I don't go to no. Japanese Korean restaurants,
1: right? Yeah, I mean. in the, the, you know, with, with as far as the meat goes, you know, we know, I mean, in, in the R&D for the products, you know, it wasn't overnight that we created this stuff.
0: But can you explain how important that the butchery process is to achieve the products that you bring into the marketplace and how important it is? Because this isn't just that you're using excellent quality beef. This is about a composite of skills that a butcher would practice to make this. Will you, will you talk about the fullness of what you guys do?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we source, you know, we source all of our, our, our products, you know, from the best sources we can find. The way we slice them with the grains of the muscle, and, you know, with the, you know, the ingredient, the Korean pear puree is a very key ingredient to our marinades with the, yeah. the way the enzymes act on the proteins. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, that's really a major part of what the Korean is. And the, the Korean pear puree is really the number one that, that people use. But people use all sorts of stuff. I'm six miles from Koreatown, and we sell to 90 percent of the Korean restaurants in Koreatown. And a lot of the a lot of the people that are you know those restaurants are using Sprite as as one of their because it's their grandma. Oh,
0: interesting. Because yeah. that's what Nana used.
1: Sprite, Sprite, apple juice, uh, other types of sodas, but you know it's 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 more of a process.
0: And. When we talk about the beef and the meats that you're selling, not really having a peer or um, an alternative in a traditional grocery store, talk a little bit about how that's the case.
1: Well, I mean, just in the way we slice. You know, we, we actually bring the meat in fresh, we semi-freeze it, we slice it to the proper. I mean, it just took us just to get the right width and, of the meat, that took, you know, two months to figure out, you know, which, which, which millimeter was the best to transfer the marinades onto the meats, you know, the short ribs and, you know, we do the LA Galbi style where we cut the short ribs horizontally so you get the bones on the top. Um, you know, just in the chicken choices, we were, we were toying between, you know, do we want to use a whole leg meat or do we want to use the thigh? Do we want to use breast? All this stuff. And, you know, we finally came up with, we found the exact type of, chicken thigh that we want to use skinless, boneless. Um, you know, there's, well,
0: that's a beautiful product. Look at that. Bill, Bill, Bill. Nice job. Thank you. Oh yeah, my gosh.
1: So, yeah. So all of our product is, you know, the way we pack it, you know, we pack it in five pound bags. Um, you know, the short ribs are packed, packed five, five pound bags, the chicken, the pork and the beef bulgogi are packed six, five pounds per case. Um, so the case size is relatively small. You can pull out five pounds at a time and cook it rather than having a 30-pound chunk that you have to deal with. Well, that's the main thing, right, Bill? You and I talked about that. It's right. Like now these
2: restaurants can 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 test it, experiment it, create with it is probably the best word, right, Jennifer? Right. And say, hey, I I, know that I can bring this out. And it slacks out really fast, Bill. Like I literally put one of the things this morning, the bobogey. From the freezer because was hard. It was hard. Jen, remember I said how hard it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Put it in this morning and it's already slacked out. So I can't even believe it was so. Good. So these things could move quick. And I'm sure you can put it in water and slack it out if they have to. If they're in a rush in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, cold water. Yeah, refrigerator is always the best, best, best way to do it. But they um, can even slack it out in the fridge and take
2: them as they eat it without having a big pile of meat sitting there that you're not going to use. Right. This way, you know what you can sell. So, it'll save you money in the end. It's one of those things that like high end chocolatiers do. They buy the highest level of chocolate knowing they're going to end up saving money than the lower level of chocolate, right? It just makes financial sense in the end because you're giving better product to the clients and the customers. But at the this same what, time, you're saving money and no one understands that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is, this value is out. yeah. And it's what smart operators do.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Hey uh, Bill, I've got to ask the question. It seems like in the last 18 months, Korean fried chicken is everywhere. You're our friend in the business in the Korean food business. What is going on with Korean fried chicken? What is Korean fried chicken?
1: Well, Korean fried chicken is is basically the batter they use. You know it's a very light cornstarch potato starch based batter. Um, it's fried at a, you know, a really high temperature. And then typically the sauce they use is a, it's really a ketchup based sauce with gochujang and, and some sweetener of some kind. I mean, there's hundreds of recipes for it, um, but also and, the, the tonkatsu market, I mean, fried chicken is just popular right now. Yeah, you, know, so yeah, tonkatsu, it is. you know, we do have a bulk tonkatsu. We just came out with a, uh, a chicken katsu as well. And oh then we also so do good. another pork one that's stuffed with cheese. So those are three options for that, and you know the Korean style um, way of doing it is like in Japan, which is really a Japanese product. You know, katsu, they use a like a semi dry or a dry panko as the right. crust. In Korea, they use fresh bread. So we actually use the nama panko, the fresh bread. So when you fry it, the the when it hits the deep fryer, the it gets very crispy and it holds for a long time. Wow. You know, yeah. you've so used
0: a word, Bill, that I want to make sure people um, uh, learn. If this is our Korean Food 101 class with you as our master professor, can you tell us you used co- a <laughs> <laughs> What is go-go-go? What is the flavor that you were describing that was added to the marinade? What is So-go- the flavor that you're adding to the sauce for the-
1: gochujang? So
0: gochujang. goju jong Yep.
1: Yeah. So gochujang is a, a Korean red pepper paste, and it's usually made with sweet rice and uh, gochugaru, which is a red pepper, a Korean red pepper, similar to cayenne, but it has a whole different uh, – So, product. Jennifer, you never had it? I'm going to send you, I'm gonna send you some, some of both in your packet. He didn't you send
2: me sure. any in my packet. I'm just saying that. I happen to have – so you're getting more than me as usual. I happen okay, to I'm have some. Some too, Michael. <laughs> Do you have a bottle there, Bill? No? Do you have any in your desk so you can show her? Yeah, hold on. All right, it is Jennifer. This stuff—it's addicting. It is craveable. Really? It is uh, the kids eat it. It's a little spicy, so it gets a little hot. There's a little heat on it, right? But the kids So was it like a—is it roast.
0: like a—is it like a Korean sriracha?
2: Uh, not that weird spicy. No, not like that. It's okay. it's, it's like a sweet chili spicy, not a oh. sriracha spicy. Look at this.
0: Oh, that does look good.
2: It is so good. You no, know, my kids eat with on the french fries. Like They oh. love that sauce.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. You know what's really good is you take cupy mayonnaise with the MSG mayonnaise of choice of a lot of chefs, and you mix it with the gochujang, and then we put a little lime juice in it, or a little lime zest.
0: That sounds That's crazy good.
1: To uh, put on the spicy pork taco, uh, it, it, your cilantro kimchi, some of that, and some of that, and Really, really, wow. really, super good. Is that what's on here? Is that the sauce that, that you put it, on? <laughs> yes. And then, and Jennifer, in that recipe book, there's a recipe for it uh, in the in the book that I sent, guys.
0: So, so Bill, will you come back and and cook with us with uh with Michael and I? Yes. Because I have to tell you, I want to do those short ribs that I've seen pictures of, but I also want to show people how you can take these beautiful thin bits of meat. Because when you pull the whole dish together, it's not like you're eating a 48-ounce tomahawk chopped steak.
1: No. They're
0: they're getting exquisite beef, just a few ounces, and it's meant more as the seasoning than the main component of the plate. But Correct. it's so incredibly satisfying. It's a very different way of eating, but it's a much healthier, more delicious way of eating. That's why everyone right now is talking about Korean food and, and why Koreatown is probably two or three times as big as it was five or 10 years ago.
1: Right. Well, I tell the chefs when they buy our product, a little goes a long way. So if you're making a rice bowl, you know, whereas you would have to use six or seven ounces of meat in a rice bowl. Traditionally with our products, when you jazz it up with three, maybe three ounces of the beef bulgogi or the spicy pork, and you add the kimchi and the carrots and the bean sprouts and the, um, and the sauce and then the rice, um, you can make a really fulfilling dish for a really good food cost. And, you know, it's, it just works out. Um, you know, it saves you labor. You don't have any fuss. You have minimal SKUs to purchase. Yeah. You won't get any slack when somebody that's Korean walks in your store and, Oh, you're serving Korean food. Oh yeah. Let me taste it. Oh, okay. That's always my favorite. Right. Oh, I was in a, I was Checks in a, box. I was in a, uh, uh, at a catering company in Atlanta working with my distributor uh, gourmet foods international. And we went into a cater and the, the reps saw, Oh dude, you're going to have to be careful. This is a Korean lady. I go, awesome, bring it on. And it was so awesome to see her eat it. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you did it. You know, I tried these short ribs from this other company and they put them out and they just, they were, they just didn't, they didn't do it for me. So hey, Je- Jennifer, can you imagine
2: this cheesesteak made with bulgogi? People yeah. would
1: lose
2: their, I wouldn't even tell the customers. I'd be like, "Look, well, that's our cheesesteak from Philly," and they'd be like, "That is
1: the best Philadelphia cheesesteak I've, I've ever had. had in my life." Yeah. I don't even need ketchup on it. Oh no, it it makes a fantastic product. We we actually did that. I was in Tulane University in uh, New Orleans, and uh, working with the chefs down there, and they had they were talking about po' boys. So I just threw that in because usually we go down and we'll do a demo, and I'll do like Korean Thanksgiving. You know, I'll do like we'll do like me and my chef. We'll do like. Twelve dishes, you know, from japchae to the to the tacos to uh, like a soup. You know, we'll usually do like a sundubu, like a soft tofu soup, and put me oh. in that, um, or a kimchi stew, um, and then we'll just like set it all up, and then we'll have the crazy dishes off to the side. And you know, being in New Orleans, um, they have you know the po' boy is huge, so we did that, and that was like by far because I used the bread the bread that they got delivered from the local. Um, you know, the local bakery down the street.
0: Yeah, that and great French the family, bread.
1: And they were like floored by it. Yeah. You know, so.
0: You know, when you mentioned Korean Thanksgiving, I can't help but think about the episode on David Chang's show where he went back to his parents' house with uh, Peter Meehan, and they cooked their traditional David Chang family Korean Thanksgiving, and there was like all this American food and all this Korean food, and it looked amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's that's you know, like in my family, you know, we have a melting pot. We have yeah. you know, my side of the family, you know, we're Scottish and Irish background, and then we have my my girlfriend, my better half's family, and they're from Guam. So, like when we make food, there's always rice. There's always finadini, which is a you know a a, a Guamanian uh, vinegar soy sauce with chili peppers mm-hmm. and onions. So and good, like, so good, amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, in Korea, Thanksgiving is. Gobby short rib, yeah, and you know we have turkey, you know. So that's all right. Kind of-
0: so so right now I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Michael's in Las Vegas, and in Tucson, Arizona, where you have got to come because we got to go out and visit my friend Chef Ryan Clark at the casino because you oh, are yeah. speaking his language. I got to tell you, but in in Southern Arizona, a couple of years ago, the James Beard Foundation did the classic regional American classic to the BK the. The you know, the uh, this what's it called um the are Sonoran hot dog the Sonoran oh, hot dog.
1: Where no, a are we're
0: yeah so so there are these there are these two companies like they have in Philadelphia Pats and and but I, I digress they make a Sonoran hot dog and it's a hot dog wrapped in bacon and then loaded with you know beans and condiments and when you were showing me you better you better wake up when I'm telling you this Michael I want you to imagine the best juicy hot dog wrapped in that thin, beautiful Korean beef. And you turn the Sonoran hot dog into a Sonoran Korean dog. Oh, yeah. With those amazing flavors. And instead of the cabbage that you'd put on a Sonoran dog, we're going to use a kimchi. But we might still use the Sonoran. Sonoran What they're doing in Korea right now,
1: which is amazing, is that they're doing the corn dog in different ways. So what they're doing now Is they're doing so they're doing a corn dog, a regular corn dog with a beef hot dog, or in Korea, they use like a fish sausage. Yeah. And they dip it in the corn. And then what they do is they take it and roll it in hash browns. Oh, I love that. And they deep fry it. It's amazing. All right. So, Bill, Bill,
0: we just have to do this together sometime. We've got to cook and eat together. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And you got to introduce me to the flavors of Guam, too, because if it's anything like the food I know from, what Michael brings uh, from the Hawaiian side, and and what we know from Hawaii and the Philippines, that the malasadas and the donuts—I don't know if there's like a malasada tradition there as well.
1: Oh, they have. I mean, it's amazing. I'm learn. I learn new dishes all the time. You know, anything from typhoon food to uh, last night we had the soup, which is called kadu, which is just a simple chicken soup. But you know, when you add the fenugreek component, and you add you know green beans or bok choy to it, and and you. And you put it all together, it's just, you know, it's healthy and it's, you know, just, it hits on all levels. Yeah. yeah. So, which is, which is great. But yeah. Michael, you were talking about your pizza concept. Yes. Yeah, square pizza. In Korea, they use uh, like uh, purple sweet potato, mm-hmm. or regular sweet potato instead of sauce. Love and it. then they put like kimchi on it and bacon. And, you know, it's, it's pretty
0: fantastic
1: stuff. You know who makes
2: a great pizza with, with um, potato pizza?
0: Wolfgang Puck. Wolfgang Puck, Puck, I was gonna
1: say. Yeah. I, King, I, I'm a big fan.
0: All right, so let's give everybody the information. Can civilian. So Jennifer, we've we
2: got Laura Gramlin. Do you know this woman? Can I call okay. her can I call her a, a woman?
0: She is one of the uh, preeminent experts in her field, which is Ooh. meetings, conventions, and she's written a book about this. Mm. Uh, world of having virtual meetings and events now that covid's hit she was she was right. thinking ahead and she's right. hit the ground with something that is i'm going to think pivotal this she's, is so this is essential
2: she's, she's proactive and not reactive
0: not only is she pro she's thoughtfully proactive she's not reactionary you? reactive right. i'm
2: reactionary and i'm about to react right now the nonsense <laughs> bill we love you we're going to see you in a couple weeks live cooking right yep do it. Thanks, buddy. Um, all right, daddy. just uh, let's see. Let's
0: run, a, let's run a commercial so you can answer daddy. And then we'll be right back with Laura Grandling. Whether
1: you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Pulitz has written a must read. The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books a Million or wherever fine books are sold.
3: Hey there. I, I can't hear you.
2: I, oh, that,
3: Laura? Yes.
2: Is this thing on? Is this yep, thing I on?
3: know you now. Yeah, I gotcha. Come here.
2: Say hi. This is what we do. Jennifer's hey back. Oh, you can see his little head. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get Jen on. Jen, are you there? Jen, yeah. you got your good friend Laura Grambling on. Laura is a vet, convert, convert. What does she do? Conference events, <laughs> proactive thinker, yep. next level astrophysicist. Jennifer? Yeah, Yes,
0: she's kind of a next level astrophysicist for an industry that is going uh, through um, the re entry into an entirely new stratospheric orbit we are doing events and meetings and conventions in a world that went from high touch to
3: no touch Uh, or high. yeah yeah that's a good way of saying it we we pivoted we had to
0: well and and people like the word pivot but but laura one of the things i think is essential for us to talk about is that it's very adaptive and that in your consultancy one of the things you You've, you help people do as ADAPT, but then in the book that you've written, uh, you outline what the adaptations look like as we yeah. put them into practice and necessarily put them into practice. That's so right. I, I'm thrilled to have you here. I know Michael's thanks. thrilled, too. So thanks for making time to be with us. So thanks. talk a little bit go. about your company, first of all, and the kind of practice
3: that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. So what I do is I literally live on the intersection of meetings and social change. What that looks like is I bring people together around the table to have conversations that matter to them so they can solve solutions together. Now, normally, pre-COVID, we did that in person a lot at scale, five people to 5,000, right? Having conversations that matter and making decisions and creating solutions. When COVID hit, all of that had to switch immediately to online. Now, some people have been doing online meetings, for various reasons they have a distributed workforce you know maybe it's all across the united states maybe it's global so they've had to like come together create solutions to do that work collaboratively online but not everybody has so when i thought about like my skills and i know how to do both in person and virtual meetings very well very complex things right but how do i help people know about the art and science of online because it is different than when you have an in person meeting And that's why I wrote the book. You know, I first, I just started blogging about it in the early days of the pandemic, just sending out tips and tricks. And then my husband looked at me. He's like, you know, you got enough here for a book. I'm like, do I? He's like, you do. So I put it together. And
0: do do you have your copy with you?
3: I do. Here
0: we go. Funny you should mention. Virtual Meetings 101. Yeah.
2: Funny you should say that.
3: Funny you should say that. Yeah,
2: show on TV called Funny You Should Ask. Have you seen that? Have you guys seen that show? No, you have more? You've seen Funny You Should Ask? You I don't know. Ask. One of my best friends is on that show. Go ahead, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm yeah. not name-dropping. I'm just saying one of my best friends is on the show. But I also Laura, like this. There you go. Go ahead, Jennifer. She's so quiet. Something must be wrong.
0: Laura, I, I want to uh, ask you very specifically. Uh, let's go back to the days when we could meet in person. Yep. And of all the decisions that went into calling us together to meet in person, yep. what are some of the statements where our behavior speaks louder than words? What does the behavior of coming together mean?
3: Right. What, are we, what are we talking about when we gather? Right, we're talking about a couple things. One is about trust and rapport building. Right. If I want to do business with you, I want to innovate with you, I want to meet with you. Right. And so that's about connecting and relating to each other. So that's number one. Now, that might be sort of an intangible outcome. People are like, well, you're going to meet to create a strategy. We're going to make decisions. Right. We're, we're going to move uh, a conversation forward. But they're also coming together to create that rapport and to be able to um, go deep, get intimate, and to be able to wrestle. With different points of view. So that's number one. You really want people coming together so they can trust each other so they can work together and collaborate.
0: One of the things I think is important to add to that is the idea that my presence indicates the value that this relationship mm-hmm. has to me. That's right. My presence and my, my effort to get here communicates uh, my respect for you my intention for this process, my intention for the outcome of this process. How many of those values that I communicate by my presence, have we been successful in finding an alternative way of expressing that is as meaningful as actually showing up has been in in the past?
3: Right. Well, exactly. When I work with leaders, um, it is important for them to treat Meetings uh, of equal importance, right? So for them to tell the staff they find them of value, they actually have to show up to say that. So when I'm organizing an all-hands meeting, let's say, um, and it has to be distributed across time zones or you have a 24-hour workforce, I tell the leaders, you're gonna have to show up at that swing shift, that midnight shift. So if you tell the employees you value them, they need to see that, they need to hear that from you.
0: And is that a phrase that every industry uses, that all hands?
3: Um, Many organizations do when they have, when they bring all their employees together or all their stakeholders together to have an all hands meeting or a town hall, if you will. Um, Absolutely. Have you
0: done any, you know, because it's really interesting, as you know, our whole audience and Food and Beverage Magazine has Mm -hmm. 12 million readers a month and they're all in the hospital, for the most part, in the hospitality industry. And yep. we're an industry that's been decimated by COVID. Yep. I mean, so many of us not only have lost our gig temporarily, that many of us have lost the opportunity that existed because our places are closing permanently, which is right. really distressing uh, for a whole other set of reasons. So l- let's go and talk about the fact that in this industry, things yeah. are not the same as in other industries. And yet when you're doing any industry's event, convention, meeting, etc., it comes into our world. So the integration right. of your world and our world um, exists on multiple levels. Yep. But let's, yep. let's talk about how important the hospitality industry has been historically for your business, that meeting and convention business.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I, when I work with uh, organizations, especially the larger multinational ones, the ability to be able to meet institute headquarters in Amsterdam, headquarters in Beijing, being able to go and connect with uh, man- their facilities, what have you, is really important. Um, again, so that people get connected to the mission of their organization or the, the, the places uh, that their, their products are, are being serviced. So the fact that the hospitality industry was able to you know, create multiple different types of venues Right, from your big, large, you know, trade shows that everybody knows about um, to the more intimate strategy sessions, right. you know, the retreat planning where people are going off site and taking walks in woods to be able to think deeply and, and, and thoughtfully because they're disconnecting for a few days. So, yeah, I mean, I would say people want to meet. I mean, human beings, it's, it's, it's baked into our DNA. Ever since we became human beings, we've been sitting in circles having councils with each other that need to connect in person is, is, is strong. We're going to have to do it virtually for a while, for a little while longer, but when it is safe that people are going to want to reconvene in person and continue their dialogues. Are there any,
0: are there any best practices in the industry that you've seen where someone has created something that has been surprisingly effective at recreating some of the most soulful and energetic connection that we get from actually coming together.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people, as you can imagine, there's lots of platforms out there that do a couple of things. One is this right here, connecting, and also presenting, right? So I call that a primary platform. So Zoom, WebEx, Adobe Connect, those platforms that people are used to using But the things that people are now learning about, is how do you engage people beyond doing a simple poll or a little tiny chat that's down in the bottom? uh, Laura, you know what's interesting about that is
2: that I had a phone call yesterday morning. We talked about it earlier with two of the the most successful executive producers in television right now. that are on the air right now. Live PD and The Prophet, right? Wonderful friends of mine. They called me and they said, Michael, I love your show. They watch our show. They said, but how do you engage? We need to spice Stop that up. We need to engage with And Jennifer got offended by that. But I said, Jennifer, don't get offended by that. These are the most successful women in the business. They're just no. our friends. They're trying to help That's us, right? That's right. And Jennifer got all upset, and I told her she was a, a dud. I told her she was a dud. And then she got even more upset. But it's okay. But those are the – but you're right. So, so I sometimes – you'll see me put silly little things and things. Right. And like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Because we need to engage. we need to see that coming across. And, and I usually have a we're moving so I don't have my green screen up and we're obviously taking our office. So we usually have fun green screens and things yep. going on right to engage when I' when my zoom calls, it's you know you what I do, Laura, and this this will be interesting because I'm you know my job is selling, right? I sell mm-hmm. advertising for my assets, Food and magazine, our website, right. our newsletter. Um, while I'm on a Zoom call with a client, I did this the other day with Coca-Cola. Are you familiar with that brand, Jennifer, Coca-Cola? No. Okay, well, it's a, it's a soft drink. Okay. And um, I looked around the back of his office while he was talking to me to see what was going on, right? Yep. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, I love that team. And whatever the team was, or whatever the rock and roll thing that he had. That's right. Was. And I figured out a way to engage that. So we sort of stopped talking about the advertising and we started talking about, his team or a concert that he's
3: been to. Or that's right. Okay. You're creating rapport. You're creating relationships and relatedness. And that's what human beings want, right? I, I, don't call, know that, I call that non Right. But I do. Right. I I do wait, wait
0: I, can't, I can't hear you, Michael.
2: Oh, I call that non transactional, right? What? Because I have a partner in one of my companies. And I have to maintain a transactional relationship with her because she gets a little bonkery, bonk, 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 yeah. bonk, We're not going to talk about Michelle right now, Jennifer. But she gets a little bunny. <laughs> so I stay very
3: transactional.
2: Hi, <laughs> I love you. Very transactional. But when you're trying to make a sale, they're trying, you're trying to gain something from somebody else. You can't do that. way. you've got to be personal.
0: Okay,
2: yeah. I'll let you talk now. I'm done. This is Jennifer's show. We're just
1: here. like we're willing
3: that's not true. But I do want to pick up on something that Michael just shared, which is I call it being authentic, yeah. right? And, and when you have your, the little people in your household, the young children come up, that's, that's, you are in situ. You are in your home yeah. environment. And so now that we're doing these meetings from home, you know, we always talk about people bringing their whole selves to work. Well, they do. They literally yes. are bringing their whole selves and we're now having a snapshot into what our lives are like. So I absolutely do bring that in. And that is one way that you can engage, have people share and what's something in your room that's meaningful to you. Let's, let's, let's hear about that. Right. At the beginning of a meeting to connect. Um, like,
0: it's, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of the picture of your kids on your desk. That's right.
3: That's right.
0: Hey, um, Michael, one of the things I had asked Laura to come and do for us is To take all of us in our industry, in our audience, and help us by giving us a few tips about how we can provide a more authentic and richer engagement when we do any of these, whether we're on Blitzer, we're on StreamYard like we do, Zoom, uh, Google, um, because she's an expert in this area. And because all of us are finding ourselves, like we are right now, sharing a screen. Um, and, And so... Thank you for coming. What tips can you share with us?
3: Right, I have a few key ones. One, and you guys are already modeling this, don't go it alone, right? Have a team approach. You know, either as you guys are co-hosting, I would say co-facilitate, or have somebody who's managing the technology, like what's being shown on the screen, Right, exactly. So you want to have a team approach. You want to have somebody who's monitoring the chat, making sure that's being brought to the foreground if something important is emerging. you don't want to ignore somebody with great that's comments right. in the chat. That's right. Right? But if I'm facilitating, I might not be able to multitask and do that. I, so so I, have you know, I,
2: I monitor the chat because there are some dirty people out there. <laughs> um, it is nasty what I have to look at. <laughs>
3: Well, you could have, you know, depending on the meeting, uh, you could limit that as well. So, if you had ground rules saying that we won't take inappropriate language or threatening language, you could set a ground rule in the beginning and then have that be established. That won't be tolerated. So, but can I can, I
0: can I ask you a question? Because I've been impressed this whole conversation. Look at my picture on our screen, and uh-huh. the glare on my glasses is considerable. Yeah. And look at you; you have magic glasses. I can see your face, I can see your eyes, yeah. and I'm not getting all that glare. What's the I magic of what you're doing?
3: I don't have magic glasses. What I do have is I did some research and I have friends who do production for, for television. I have two diffused lights on either side of me. So I'm not using like a ring light like a lot of people do because you would see the ring in my, in my glasses. Yeah. So having diffused light coming at me on both sides helps to illuminate my face and without giving like a harsh glare to my glasses.
0: That's impressive. I just have to comment
3: on it.
2: You can wear a Gene Simmons mask.
0: I need to. I've been told that before, but thank you for that. Mm
3: -hmm. Another tip that I would say is start well and end well. So when you start, you know, again, you guys are broadcasting out, so you're not doing as much um engagement. But if you are facilitating a meeting or you're having a smaller team meeting or you're meeting with your clients, start well. Have people start engaging from the very beginning. We wanna we wanna express ourselves. People are showed up for a reason. Find out why, right? And How we engage really- we
0: engaged you for a reason. We yep. invited you for a reason. It wasn't just to yep. watch us.
3: Yeah, yeah. And end well. So, end on time if you can. Recap uh, if there are decisions that are, have, have to be made or actions to go on. And then find out what everybody thought about the meeting. What's one word?
1: End like on time.
2: I want to make sure. Could you say that again, Laura? Because somebody in this room <laughs> doesn't like to end on time.
3: Well, look, there's always exceptions. And I'll talk about that. If there's a richness in the conversation and it needs to go a little bit further, then you go a little bit further, right? There's a listening that you create around, will this forward the work that we're doing together? Will this forward uh, our collective knowledge? So that might be important.
2: She used the word listening, listening.
0: I'm sorry, what did you say?
2: Exactly.
3: (laughs) My last tip, keep it simple. There are a lot of great bells and whistles out there. So there's a lot of engagement tools you can do. There are programs that will recreate sticky notes, right? But virtually, uh, for those of us who like to use sticky notes in, in in-person meetings. But unless you really know how to use it or you have your, your co-facilitator who's really grounded in that design and the use of that technology, don't use it. It'll just frustrate everybody. Like, what so, am Laura, I doing?
0: What are some of the technologies yeah. and platforms that you've discovered that you feature yeah. That you want to turn us on to that we might not know. Everybody knows Zoom at this point. What else? Of course else is they out do.
3: There? Right, right. Well, as I was just saying, like the ones that have the sticky notes, I really like Mural. So it's M U R A L. Really fantastic. They have a lot of different designs already baked into their system around introductions, icebreakers, how to do a SWOT analysis, how to do strategy, how to prioritize, and so you can use those in trying to collect and harness the wisdom of the group very easily and visually. So that is one that I really like using as well.
0: Is there any that has the equivalent of a whiteboard? Cause I miss my agency day whiteboard experiences. Some of the best ideas get captured in that crazy mm-hmm. format.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, almost all the programs have a whiteboard. Uh, Mural has one. Miro was another one. M I R O. Another one of those that has lots of, uh, Different techniques, as well as just a simple whiteboard, for those who are more um, visual or graphically oriented, uh, in order to be able to capture the ideas in a more um, authentic, you know, uh, in the moment way. Yeah,
0: I was on a um, some networking on Blitzer that have a time embedded at the top yep. for the um, and, and and it counts down for you. Mm-hmm. And in a radio station where I. Tra- just kidding. In a radio station, we always had an atomic clock, and you could always keep your yep. eye on the time. And, and uh, I miss that, and I find that those yep. devices are so effective at helping yep. you marshal and discipline yourself within the context of time.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then I, I, one last feature, and I, I know Zoom has it and many of the other platforms, is the ability to do breakout groups right? So if you're in a meeting with 20, 50 people, it's really hard to hear everybody's voice. It would take a lot of time for us to go around and have everybody share. But if you put them into breakouts simultaneously in small groups, first of all, they're more intimate. And so I'm connecting with three people, four people, and I'm really hearing and I'm also sharing our ideas. And then you bring that back to the large group. You've actually, you know, forwarded the work very quickly, but in a deep way.
0: For the hospitality industry that is accustomed to hosting an in-person meeting, how much of this technology are the in-house experts going to need to provide? And do you think that there's any analog that will transition from the digital world back to on-premise in some fashion? Will we ever go back to having an online meeting with the physical on-site component? Do you see a hybrid of this happening?
3: Absolutely. I absolutely see a hybrid happening because, and, and it already was starting to happen with like my ability to do Twitter or to upvote things. And so bringing in technologies to harness the sense-making of a group, especially if it's large, we'll use more technologies when we're in meetings. The other thing that we're getting really good, good at is having a hybrid approach. There are some people who might be in a meeting room and other people who are remote. But now that we're getting used to this, we can better able to bring people. It won't be so awkward. Like, oh, we forgot about those people who are up on the screen, right? We're going to be able to incorporate in our discussions and our dialogues much more easily.
0: And we're no longer frozen out of what's possible yeah. from lack of experience. Now we're right. beginning to get the idea of what's possible and how we can, right. how we can use it the way we need to in a bespoke hybridization, yeah. if you will let's exactly. go back to the hospitality industry mm-hmm. boy there's a ubiquitous term for the type of chicken that would be served at a, at a banquet right like the rubber the rubber chicken dinners right. and in a lot of ways hotels got a bad rap but everybody i know in the hotel business or the rubber duck right. chicken dinners everybody i know that works in hotels does an incredible job they're yep. creative talented passionate professionals. Yep. Um, food was actually always a big part, especially if you went to a That's destination. Right. You go to Hawaii, oh, yeah. you want Hawaiian right. food. If you come to Tucson, That's you right. want a cowboy barbecue. There's a That's way right. of making the place come to life through the food. Would you talk about how the food piece of the event and convention business and event and, and meeting business has changed in COVID and might change moving forward?
3: Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the future, really, because that is part of that connecting and relating. You know, you know, that intangible opportunities for you and I to be at the same table, eating that chicken, and, and, and that wasn't pre-planned, that serendipity that we got to connect, discuss about what we just heard about in the last session, what we might be talking about next, and then poof, who knows, maybe we're gonna go out and collaborate together. So that ability to come together over meals is super important, and that will continue again. Um, And in fact, even in some of the clients I'm with, we incorporate that, you know, we'll have a virtual happy hour, you know, the beverage of your choice. Let's celebrate. Let's not talk business, intentionally just connect. Are we seeing
0: are we seeing uh, meeting planners and, and organizations sending kits for cocktails, sending kits for meals so that we're all having the same food at the same time?
3: Yes, I have definitely seen that. And, you know, I live in Washington, D.C., and many of the uh, restaurants have certainly, I mean, whoever thought of, you know, doing a takeout from a one-star, two-star Michelin before, who thought they would do delivery, you know, yeah. Yeah. with cocktails, right? Yeah. So that is happening, right? Yeah. The organizations that want to create that rapport and that and that experience are doing that.
0: So, Laura, do you know who's from Washington, D.C.?
3: Yes, yes.
2: Laura. You, we, you, and I are both alumni of the same institution.
0: Yes,
3: yes, and not, and not,
2: and not the prison system. <laughs> that would be an institution. From yes, Ameri- American, American University.
3: America.
2: Where American University? That's right. Laura yes. and I both attended. She taught at Georgetown. I did adjunct professorship after I graduated at American as well. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Potomac. We oh, recently, man. we recently. Uh, now I live in Las Vegas. I had to move too many, too many, too much history. Too many. <laughs> Too much history, let's just leave it there. I ran through the town like a maniac, you know. Um, but Jennifer, she may know Dan Simons from Founding Farmers,
3: yeah, maybe. You know great restaurant. Yeah, oh, I know, I don't know him, I know the restaurant,
0: great so for that, groups. But, but, yeah. you, you, but, but, why we're saying you need to meet him and know him is not just the geography, there's yeah. something about the, the I don't even know if the gestalt of it's the right word, but there's something about the way that you do what you do. That is very synchronous with the approach that he takes to the things that he does. And I would love for you to know how he does what he does, because not only has he got a beautiful restaurant group, but he's really innovated the entire category. His farmers all over the country are his partners. And he's got a very inclusive, holistic approach to how he does what he does.
3: I think it's exciting here in Washington. I think we have amazing uh, restaurateurs, chefs, uh, innovators. I mean, one of our most beloved uh, persons here is Jose Andres. Uh, I think uniformly, I think people in Washington. um, He's my friend. I love him.
0: He's one of the greatest, an amazing human being in restaurant. But he's a smart operator too.
3: Yep. And look what he did with World Central Kitchen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what a great humanitarian. Um, Laura, talk for me and the audience about how we can address where we are right now with an eye towards the future uh, and maybe address some of the most vexing challenges we're facing in the hospitality meetings and conventions business. Is it related to food? Is it related to safety? Let me ask
2: her, Jennifer. let me butt in. Can I? I wish I had a picture of a butt to butt in. I could do the
0: peach, do the peach.
2: How'd you know when I was going? I was just gonna do the peach. <laughs> so just the speeches. But all right, so so we we've over the years trade shows, trade shows, yeah. yeah, sure. Conventions. Yeah. Um the WSWA, also Spirits of Wine Association, my very close oh. friend Cindy Nachbe. Are you familiar with Cindy's work? Cindy, no. she's from Washington, she she did okay. that. Right back. Um, but that's as just one thing, and that's more of an association membership. Mm-hmm. That you have the the night club and bar, and the restaurant shows, and the Western mm-hmm. food show, and the Florida show. You know, I'm going to be keynote speaking at a couple of those shows, and probably just one because when I'm done, they're probably not going to let me back to the next one. But we're scheduled. Jennifer, why are you laughing? You know that's true. Something's going to slip. Something's going to slip. Um, but we see the people interact. We see how when they're there. Now, one thing I do notice is when I'm at trade shows, most people they, they like they they go to the, the uh, sessions and the breakouts. And they listen to the, yep. the keynotes and then the panels. I don't see a lot of this. I don't see a lot of other people communicating with each other, right? Um, but I do see more of that now, which is which is bizarre to me. On these on on some of the meetings that I'm online, yep. I see more people communicating with each other and connecting offline. Then I do at a meeting where, you're, where hundreds or thousands of people are at and they're not even sharing their own ideas. Is it the pandemic? Is it because they need help now
0: and they're scared? Well, we all need a job. We're all networking for a new job. Yeah.
3: yeah. I would say, again, the the, the the ability to quickly pivot. Something this has to do with the fact that we were using social media and other ways of connecting. And so it was kind of natural to be able to then do... This online and to be able to connect, and, and I really my hats off to the younger generation, you know, leading the way with that ability to 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 make circles of friends, um, or, or colleagues, or networks very easily and and well, seamlessly. When we, were,
2: when we were in college, we would go to the Mary Graydon Center, and we would sit out in front of the student union building, and we would make friends. Yep. we would go to the quad, Jennifer. But yep. well, Jennifer, you're way too young. But when we were in college, they had something called the quad, <laughs> and it's where Let's Hall and Anderson Hall met, and you would hang out with your fraternity brothers in the quad. Yep. That's all. Did I do that right, Laura? Would you hang out there? You did,
3: it. you yeah. did. It. You know what, it, it's still there. I'm actually doing a project at American University right now around their campus plan, and all of those things are still there. I love it. Need to have a little upgrade, but that's coming.
2: Well, it was Khashoggi Center at one point that I understand with the moving of illegal arms across the world you get your name taken off of a building. Did you know that, Jennifer? Yeah.
3: Did not know that.
2: Yeah, Robert Leach told me that whole story, by the way.
3: <laughs> You're going back into some, some, some 1980s history there with, with American.
2: Well, you know, listen, I'm a little older than you, Laura, but I was there in 85 through 90. Me as well. I was there 85, 86, 87, no, 88, 89. So, 80, yeah, 90, 91. Yeah, I was there for a long time. I had yeah. a great time. I had so much yeah. fun that I wanted to just keep it going. <laughs> jennifer you know
0: what i'm saying yes yes michael i do
2: driving around my little bmw woo! going to
0: Sutton
2: place for me for a sandwich go ahead i'm sorry i'm reliving my childhood
0: i can right. see that before we lose all our audience who needs our help and needs oh, going, hey. yeah, they don't need our help they right. need laura's help and that's i mean that's right. why we reach out to our friends in the business and laura's our friend in this business um Laura, the people that are in the hotels right now, right? Uh, a lot of them are furloughed. They may yep. come back. They may not come back. I've heard stories that some hotels are having events and they're using hotel rooms as breakout meeting rooms instead of having a booth in one big ballroom. Right. I've heard different people. What are some of the most interesting and inventive, clever applications of existing hotel footprints for new post-COVID kinds of ways to make these meetings and conventions happen?
3: Yeah. The the bottom line is, Jennifer, people have to feel safe, right? Right now, we're all sort of, like, leery of touching things, being too close to others, right? Certainly here in Washington, D.C., you know, our mayor follows the science, so we have social distancing, we have masks. So people need to feel safe, and they need things to feel clean and hygienic, like it's just been power-washed. Right. So in order to have trade shows where, you know, instead of a lots of booths lined up, I love this idea of you have a booth, you know, in a room, right? They can move all the furniture out and, you know, one person at a time. And so really being able to create some, some intimate moments, you know, imagine that, you know, you're not um, having to capture 10 people's attention at your booth. You're you're having a one-on-one conversation. And you're no longer
0: a, a boardwalk carny barker trying That's to pull right. people in as they're right. going by doing the scam.
3: Right. Right. So maybe there's even sign ups, you know, times for that. So I, I think people are, as it's safe, what uh, the need to connect is really strong. The need to see things important, uh, to be able to touch a, a product, to see it, you know, to interact is super important. So I, I really feel like the industry will lead the way around how to do that, to have the, um, have people feel safe and have people be present. Um, and, and also to have this experience, right? I mean, part of these things are fun, right? So that still has to be there and, and exciting. So and one, of, it,
0: the, it, one it, of the things I have to point out that you have not said is that with so much taking place online, it has to have immediacy. Yes, we can't, just mail you a big box of products and have you hang on to right. it for two weeks and then send it back. That's right. You know, let's, let's, let's be realistic about the fact that the world is moving very fast. Your book, yeah. uh, virtual meetings. One Hundred and One, uh, is taking a first pass at all yeah. of the virtual aspects. That's are right. there some virtual aspects that are not online? There's some things that allow us to have virtual meetings that don't, exclusively involve the internet and digital
3: technology? Yeah, it's called the phone. Seriously, I mean, I literally just uh, produced a public hearing. So I needed to have an equitable access for everybody who wanted to participate in the hearing. And so there are people who, there is a digital divide that exists out there. So I could not use a Zoom platform, right? What if somebody doesn't have internet? What if somebody doesn't have a computer? What if somebody doesn't have a smartphone? You know, there are people who don't, right? So I had to have, I still had to be effective. I need people to be able to listen, make comments, right? Interact with the, with the speaker. So we used the phone. And there are some great technologies like these tele town halls that, that people have been using for several years to be able to connect with, with constituents or consumers. So there are like, we, could get, we can go old fashioned and we can just pick up the phone and have conversations with people.
0: The book is uh, Virtual Meetings Perfect. 101, the guidebook. Uh, Laura Gramling, Grambling, uh, Sparks Consulting. I want to say thank you so much. Thanks. Tell everybody if they want to get in touch with you, uh, how they can find you.
3: Yeah, you can go to my website right there. Thank you, nsparkconsulting.com. Um, I'm always available to brainstorm, ideate on, in any type of meeting, in-person, virtual, hybrid. I love talking about it. So thank you so much we for letting me come we,
2: we can see your passion in that. Yeah. I'm going to call you before I do my keynotes, and we're going to work on that together.
3: Absolutely. I need,
2: I need my seven words I'm not allowed to say. I think it's a good start with that. So I get a little, you know what the guys at American were like in the 80s. Do I need to say more?
3: Right. Well, we'll, we'll clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Really All right, great. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank, thank you,
2: Laura. Laura. What a doll. Right? She looks so familiar. You know, I hadn't met her before.
3: You were probably
0: standing in line in the cafeteria right behind her and I wonder if that's on her name. I
2: think that's her made name. That name is when I saw the name, I'm like, that's really super familiar. And she's probably like, you know, one of those little curly headed girls that were so smart and didn't want to look at me. You know what I'm saying? There's the frat guy. Now it's the, there's the fat guy. It used to be, the frat, <laughs> it used to be there's the frat guy. What can I say, Jennifer? What
0: do we got coming up this week? Anything good? Oh, Friday! You are not going to want to miss Friday's show, the Great Canadian Baking Show, just like the Great British Baking Show.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Is famous for its judges, and on Friday we have the incomparable Chef Bruno Felderson from the Great Canadian Baking Show. You know the handsome guy with the really handsome glasses. He, oh my God, he is. Who is that baker? Remember
2: me? That judge that I was president, Keaton,
1: Keegan, Putin. What was his name?
0: What? See, he was on TV.
2: The baking, the baker. I thought his name was Ke- Keegan. Oh, right, Keegan, right, right. Keegan. Whatever happened to him?
0: We, well, we could have him back, but I'm telling you, he was never
2: on our show. He was a famous. He was a judge on all these shows. This guy Keegan. He must have said something wrong to the wrong person.
0: I'm telling you what. We are so honored to have my friend Chef Bruno Feldzin. On on Friday, we're going into the kitchen and we're going to bake something together. And I'm, and I'm a lousy baker, but I think he's going to turn me into a better baker and he's going to inspire us all. But more importantly, he's going to teach how all of us can be the best judge we can be of tasting anything we're tasting wherever we go so I'll that we can enjoy it more.
2: <laughs> and then I want to have the girls on this to make you not a dud on the show. They're going to teach you how not to be a dud.
0: Listen, I just, uh, I would welcome that because I, I want to get, listen, done, no, no, you know what? Let, let's just talk about uh, The Prophet. I, I love that show.
2: Well, I'm going to try to get Amber on. I know that I'm going to send a book over to Marcus, but I want to get Amber on this show and I want her to talk to us about all the restaurants because, you know, he goes in all those restaurants.
0: Yeah, I know. Hey, so, ask Amber if she's related, related to Frankie Mazzola.
1: Why don't you ask her when you see her? In the meantime, I'll see you Friday.
0: Hug your kids.